You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, kia ora, no mai, hari mai. Welcome to church this morning. It's my privilege to be able to bring the last part of our series, Build. How amazing has it been just to hear the story of Nehemiah? And that uh, we, I, I don't know about you, but the last couple of weeks and the message and the, the worship and what God has been doing, I just get the sense of what might happen if a community, if a church would come together and build and see our cities come back to God. You know, in week one, we learned that, um, that we need to build Build a platform of prayer, a mindset that says, come on, I'm going to pray first. Before I go into every meeting, before I start school, I'm going to pray first. In week two, we learned that we need to build a motion, a mentality of motion. You know, it's not enough just to pray. See, I've got to pray and then I've got to obey. I've got to pray, I've got to move. And if I'm moving and you're moving and we're all moving together, there's this incredible thing called momentum that is unstoppable. But in our last part of the series today, I want to bring a message that talks about the, the importance for building a vision beyond. I've got to build a vision beyond myself. I love and Paul, that Paul says in Galatians 5 that we are called to a life of freedom. But that freedom is not to indulge in the flesh. That, that freedom is so that I would serve others in love. And I believe with all of my heart that miracles happen when me becomes we. So let's read our text from Nehemiah chapter 3 this morning. It says, Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Emery, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the son of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Verse 5, it says, The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the magnificent task that we have to build your kingdom. Father, I thank you that each one of us are equipped to build our part. Father, would you speak to us, speak to our hearts, encourage us, encourage our hands today as we build your kingdom together. Amen. Uh, just over 20 years ago, uh, Amy and I were considering a move to Auckland. I was playing football. It was my passion. It was life. I was, I was a part of uh, Sport Northland and a football coach working in schools. And I, I, I love what I was doing. And I kind of had this opportunity to, to go and join a club football team down in Auckland, pursue my football career, see what I could make of it. We were young. We were early in our marriage. And, but to be honest, the dream was pretty much all about me, all about us. And it wasn't much bigger than that. And, and I remember going into a tackle in a game and I, I, I blew my knee out and I spent a week waiting for surgery. And I was, I was lying on my back with nothing else to do. I had these conversations with God and we've been involved in church and we've been having a great time and serving and doing various things with the music and kids. But I, I felt like God asked the question, Mike, what would happen if you couldn't play football again? And I, I, it didn't sound ominous to me, but, but it, was, it was like this question that God was asking, what would you do? And I thought of the creative things, the things that I had in my heart, books and music and things like that. But at the heart of it was a desire to see a next generation grow and build and, and connect with God. And within that week, I got a phone call from an Anglican vicar up in Kaitaia saying, hey, would you come and be a part of building a youth ministry with us? Now, 
from a professional football point of view, that's not a good move. If that was your desire as a footballer, moving north to Kaitai where they didn't even have a senior football team, not a good move. But something in that conversation began to burn within me and there was this desire. I, I was saying yes before the end of the conversation. And then I said, look, do you mind if I ask Amy before I commit to our lifetime and future? And it was a miracle because there were no shops in Kaitai. There was no Kmart. There's no, no place for her to shop. And the miracle was that Amy said yes. She felt the call of God as well. So we moved up, and when we got up there, it wasn't that long into the journey that we went down to a youth conference called Breakthrough. A thousand young people gathered, worshiping God. Just, just, it was incredible, absolutely amazing. And we had our 12 young people from Kaitai, and we were standing, I was standing in the middle as they were prophesying over all these youth leaders, declaring greatness over their life. And there I am in the middle of that room going, God, pick me, let the spotlight fall on me. Hey, Mike David, I've got a word for you. But again, my desire was purely egotistical. It was all about me. It was selfish. I wanted recognition. I wanted significance. It wasn't for others. Have you ever been told off by God? Have you ever had that moment where God kind of speaks to you? And this was gentle. It was kind. And I just felt like God gave me my life's purpose. He said, Mike, it's not about you. It's about those you lead and serve. And I stood there weeping in the middle of this, this whole auditorium of a thousand people as they shifted from praying over the leaders and began to call young people out of the crowd. The first four that were called up, three of them were from my youth ministry of 12 people. Now, at school, I was rubbish at maths. But even I know the odds of one out of a thousand, let alone two or three out of a thousand, out of 12, unbelievable. And I just stood there as God gave me my future that I would build with the intention that I would get people on top of my shoulders, on my shoulders, so that they could see a future beyond themselves. Miracles happen when me becomes we. But what does it mean to move from a place of me to we? Because human nature tells us that the world revolves around us, right? As a child, we learn it pretty quickly that, that if we cry loud enough, those big humans, they're going to come and they're going to take care of our needs. But as we grow older, we hit our adolescence, it doesn't really change a lot. We still think it revolves around us and, and, and it's, the world is all about me. But then there's this point where we go, I want my independence. We hit 14 or 15 or 16. I want to be independent. I want to be able to tell the world that I can do it myself. Can I tell you, friends, that should not be the goal or the hope of a Christian. That should not be our trajectory. Our desire should not to be independent. Our desire should be to grow, to develop, to, to become a stronger Christian. But our desire should not to be independent of others. Our desire should be to be connected. Our desire should be to build together. I need you. And come on, you need me. We need each other to build something beyond ourselves. So today I want to share a few thoughts from the story of Nehemiah. The first thought I want to share is that we need to commit to building our part. I've got a part to play. You've got a part to play. You know, Nehemiah 3.5, it says, The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. I don't know about you, but I find it quite funny that in Scripture, God immortalizes people being called out for their lack of service. <laughs> There's moments in the Bible that I just, I'm so glad that my name was not written in Scripture for all of eternity. But the men of Tekoa, they were like, yes, we are all about this. We are all about building this wall. Not so much the elders, they were a little bit lazy. 
I don't want to be that person. And I know you don't want to be that person that would be lazy about building the kingdom of God. You've got a part to play. I've got a part to play. Adam and Eve, they were created not just to hang around and enjoy the garden. They were built to steward what God had given. And we have to build God's kingdom together. Your part is important. You've got a brick. I'm a brick. It's a little bit messy, a little bit ugly. But each of us have got a part to play in building God's kingdom. What are you doing that is bringing people to Christ? What are you doing that is building His kingdom? What are you doing that will bring a city back to God? You know, sometimes we can look at the world around us and we can say, it's too big. It's just too big for me. I can't do this all on my own. And you're right, I can't. You can't. But I can do my part and you can do your part. You know, this week I've been doing some undercover work and found out that we have got some kingdom builders around Whangarei and Auckland that are building the kingdom of God, passionately building His kingdom. Nick and Peony and Papakura, they own and run a cafe and a brand new development. Their heart is to, to see people come to Jesus to understand His life and love. Martin and Whangarei, had a dream of supporting the DHB in this COVID crisis. He kind of t- came and talked to me, and as a result of that, now we're sending out grocery boxes. We're going to be calling people who are in isolation, loving and serving them in the community. You got David from the city campus who continually invites work colleagues to church and to, to, to work functions, building the kingdom. You got Lee Han who has a clear understanding of his calling and he uses godly kingdom principles built into his leadership and his lectures and his development. You've got uh, Jennifer from Botany who has God encounters everywhere she goes. In fact, if you're standing next to her in the supermarket, there's a good chance you're going to get invited to church or have her pray for you. You've got Murray from uh, Pukekohe who's uh, building a landscape business for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. Angela and Ian from Manyarewa who are building into people's lives thousands and thousands of people fed over the years with the soup kitchen. And then you've got Eileen from the West. Eileen's affectionately known as the pastor of the retirement village. She picks up groceries, she visits people, and all at the cost to herself. This woman is building the kingdom of God. You know, we're all just kind of one brick building, doing our part. But here's where the miracle, here's where the miracle goes from, from me to we. My second thought this morning is we need to commit to build with others. What I love about the story is the people got building. They each had their part to play, but the miracle happened as they built next to each other. Listen to this, verses one and two. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work, rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachar, son of Imri, built next to them. Did you know 25 times in chapter three, The words they built next to him, they built next to them, took place. They each had their part to play, but they were doing it together. See, at some point in the wall, they started to build. Lehan, he was building his part. But then David, we needed David's part. So David began to build next to to Lehan. And then we've got Angela and Ian, and they were building together. Then you've got Eileen, who did her part, and she is building the kingdom of God. And Nick and Peony are out there building the kingdom of God. And you've got Martin up in Whangarei, who's building something for the kingdom of God. And I'm so excited this whole thing is falling in place, except the wall that has been built strong is Jennifer and Murray. But you know what? There's some pieces missing. 
This wall isn't enough on its own. And I reckon there's about six to 7,000 bricks that have been built into the kingdom of God that need to be a part of building something beyond ourselves. That's why we're called to something great. And we're called to build together because, friends, our lives are not insignificant. Our brick, our stone is more than that. See, Peter says you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. We're a part of a body Paul also talks about. Even the little pinky is important for grip strength. Come on. Each of us have got a part to play in building his kingdom and building something beyond ourselves. I personally am thankful for a group of amazing men, our local leadership team. We call them the local legends team who are building with me. Every Wednesday morning at 6.45, we jump on Zoom wherever we are. We pray together. We encourage one another. We're good for each other. We're better together. Our ages span from early 30s right up to, well, I don't even know if Papa Jeff was, was, you know, where the birth certificates were even around when he was born. But I'll tell you what, we are building our, 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 our life together. We are doing it together. You know, yesterday, Saturday morning, a group of men climbed up Mount Parehaka. We got to the top. We took communion together. We had probably the second best sermon on the mount ever preached. Jesus claimed the first one, obviously. And we, and we, and we just declared over our city. I, I said, come on, let's stand at every point. Let's reach out over our neighborhood and begin to declare the promises of God, the breakthrough that we would see a city come back to God. Now, some of you might say, well, what about my personality? I'm better on my own as an introvert. Well, you might not need as many people as, say, an extrovert does, but you need a couple. You need those people that will call you out, those people that will encourage you, those people that will lift you up when you're feeling down. Who's in your corner? Who's challenging you? Come on, if you're not building next to someone, you're about to get picked off by the enemy. And later on tonight, Amy's going to be sharing about the opposition that Nehemiah faced, but the fact that they built together, they were there for each other, the work continued to be built. As the African proverb says, if you want to run fast, go alone. If you want to run far, go with others. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10 reminds us two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. The third thing we must consider as the team come this morning, when we're building something beyond ourselves, we must commit to build with generations in mind. In Cologne, Germany, there stands a magnificent cathedral. The cornerstone was laid in 1248. And they say that construction moved quickly over 70 years. Quick construction over 70 years. I know, I know today we want everything done in six months. But, but there were delays. That 70 years they were building and things were going well and then the building stopped. In fact, the building stopped completely from 1560 to the mid-1800s. A couple of hundred years the building stopped. But somewhere the vision must have been communicated down from generation to generation. Somewhere somebody says, we've got to complete this task that we've begun. Because in 1880, 632 years from the point of that cornerstone being laid, that cathedral was finished for the glory of God. Imagine what would happen if our generation would leave it as it is, the building of God's kingdom. You know, one of the saddest verses that we read in Scripture is Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It says, After a while, the people of Joshua's generation died, 
and the next generation did not know the Lord or any of the things he had done for Israel. We cannot allow the building to stop with us. We have to build with the generations in mind. Friends, we've got to have a vision that sees beyond me to we, to the next generation. I love the fact that up on stage we've got some kingdom builders. Do you know some of them were in our power zone ministry 20 odd years ago? Now they're leading their giants in the faith, leading in their industries. I love Proverbs 13, 22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. And I'm not talking just about wealth and possessions, though. I'm sure we all wouldn't mind a good inheritance. I'm talking about an inheritance of kingdom building. I love this in Nehemiah 3.12. Shalom, son of Halashaph, ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section, listen to this, with the help of his daughters. With the help of his daughters. I don't know whether, whether they kind of let it in there, whether they kind of slipped it in there, because most of the time only the men were mentioned. But somewhere it was slipped in there that dad was building with his girls. I'll tell you what, there is nothing greater than serving the Lord together in your business, in your church, in your school, building generationally. You know, one of the things that saddens me is people that check out of church. People that have raised their family, married young and, and, and raised their kids in church and took them along to the kids' ministry and went through youth and even served and, and then their kids grow up and they, they go out and they go to change the world and mum and dad, they go, you know what? Maybe we don't need to do church anymore. Maybe we don't need to be here anymore. But can I tell you, we need you. We need the mistakes that you made and the learnings from your mistakes. We need your wisdom. We need your, the, the, what you built as a parent and in your marriage. We need you. I need you. I need you to speak into the lives of my kids with, with the things that I don't know at the point when my kids don't want to listen to me. Come on, they're going to listen to you because they see something in you. Come on, we've got to build for the generations to come. Personally, I'm thankful for parents who have built generationally. They're modeled a life of faith and trust in God. They're not perfect parents, but they're amazing parents. When I was 14 years old, mum and dad sold a physio business and sold the house to, to answer the call of God to go into a discipleship course on Great Barrier Island. Kind of gave everything away in order to follow the call of God. I remember in that season, we prayed on our dining room floor for our literal daily bread as we had no food in the cupboards. And then that moment, somebody from church came with a box of groceries, doing their part in building the kingdom. You know what? That put in the heart of a 14-year-old, faith, trust in God, a desire to, to be a part of a church that would love and serve and bless one another. But you know what? God put in my heart through the example of my parents as a heart for families. See, my parents, they would open their homes to people. We got robbed. We got scammed. We got taken advantage of a number of times. But they never stopped extending hospitality to people who were in need. The model transparency, intimacy, honesty. When as parents, they made their mistakes. They've even come to us and asked for forgiveness in some of the ways that they raised us, of, to which, of course, we said, we forgive you. But you know what? I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. I'm a better leader. I'm a better friend because my parents built something in me. They sacrificed their dreams to give us kids a vision that builds beyond ourselves. And they may not have even achieved or realized their dream to maybe be pastors or lead in the capacity that we are today. But I'll tell you what, 
They've got a generation coming after them that are reaching, serving, and influencing. I love that we get to live out our generational ministry. My parents lead small groups and Freedom in Christ have been a part of the ministry team on a Sunday. And now my daughter Rosie, 13 years old, she's serving on the tech team. And so generationally, we are serving in the house of God, just like the dad who was building with his daughters. And you know what? When it's time for me to hand over the baton, and don't worry, I'm already looking. I'm looking for those that will get up to speed with me and run at the same speed of me. When we pass it over, I'm not checking out. I'm checking back in with a brand new role. I'm going to be sitting on the front seat. I'm going to be cheering the next generation on. I'm going to be jumping up on my feet with my creaking knees. And I'm going to be singing songs that I don't understand. And I can't follow the lyrics. But come on, there's a generation that continue to serve God and worship God with all of their heart but you won't wipe that smile off my face because I'm building the kingdom of God, something beyond me. I love that we've started a new chapter in Elam Christian Center. Pastor Luke, after 35 years passing on the baton, took a couple who grew up and hung out with his own kids. Somewhere along the way, Luke saw something in Pastor Stephen Becks that said there's room for more. There's something bigger in them. They began to speak into their lives and help them build and increase their capacity, walked with them until they could run together, till that passing over the baton. And I don't know about you, but I'm so excited how well that went, that we have passed and we are moving at a great speed. We are moving with a new sense of vision and purpose. It's the same vision, but it's being built upon brick by brick. I love that Steve was already saying, he said to us all in lead pastors meeting one day, he says, come on, who's coming after you? He says, I'm looking for the next senior pastor of Elam. They might be in Power Sparks right now, but they're coming after us. And we've got to be able to build into their lives. To see beyond ourselves, we've got to commit to build the next generation. But you might be here today and you might be in your room and you might be thinking, this isn't my story. I, I, I don't have a a heritage like you're talking about. But you know what? My dad and my mom are first-generation Christians. As teenagers, they had an encounter with God that changed the trajectory of their life and they began to build the kingdom of God. And now four kids, 10 grandkids later, we are building the kingdom together. And for you today, this might be your decision. This might be your moment where you don't build for yourself anymore, but you begin to build on the cornerstone, on the one called Jesus, who will save your life and will build in you a heart for others. And I want to give an opportunity right now, wherever you are, in your living room, in a watch party, you might be in your bedroom, you might be out for a walk hearing this message today, but I want to tell you that God loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He's got a desire to be in relationship with you. But the problem is we have this thing in our world called sin. Sin came in through the disobedience of Adam and Eve when they decided they want to live life independent of God rather than with God. But you know what? The Bible says our sin separates us from God. That, that all of us are unclean. None of us are righteous, not a single one. And the wages of sin is death. And that all sounds hopeless, but that's why it's called good news, because the good news is, is that Jesus came and he paid a price for the sin in my life and your life, so that I wouldn't be, be basically dying from my sin, but I would be able to walk in eternity with God forever. And I want to offer that to you today. Jesus is offering you forgiveness for your sins from your past. He offers you brand new life today. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But also, he offers you a future and a hope for your eternity with him. 
So I want to pray a prayer right now. Would you pray that prayer with me? You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. Pray it in faith and belief that Jesus has died for you and he wants to forgive you for your sin. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Today I make you Jesus, the Lord of my life. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again to give me new life. I receive this new life. Please forgive me. Be my Lord and my Savior. Holy Spirit, come and fill me today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. In the comments section, there's a button that says, I raise my hand. Would you click that button? Or maybe even in your watch party, you're there with some people. Why don't you tell them that you prayed that prayer? After the, after the service, I'd love to get alongside you and pray with you and encourage you as you've taken this next step. But church, as we come to the close of this message today, I, and as we come back to services in person in just a couple of, couple of weeks away, we've got an opportunity like never before to reach, serve, and influence our community. See, Nehemiah saw the needs of the community and he took care of it. He made the effort. He did what had to be done in order to serve that community. And as we close today, I want to tell you about a watch party that's happening right now up in Cody. Hugh and Lorraine Messenger, absolute legends in the faith. I was blessed to attend their watch party last week. When I arrived, they already had um, the, the service streaming from their phone onto Chromecast. Now, the average age of this group is 70 years old. But man, they were up on their feet. They were clapping. They were singing. They were shouting down the preacher. And I looked around the room, and do you know what I saw? I saw some kingdom builders. They were building the kingdom of God. Every single one of them puts on a Dream Team shirt every single week. And they serve once a month. They love serving, and they have for years, decades. But we talked after the service. They said, Mike, we need to pass it on to the next generation. We're not quitting yet, but where's the next generation coming through that's going to take the baton off us? Because one day our legs will fail us, and we can't stand, and we can't do what we wanted to do. But I'll tell you what, there is a generation coming through. Would you be a part of it, church? Would that be what, you call, what you're called to do? They want to see the next generation of kingdom builders who would understand the miracle happens when me becomes we. You know what I love about the story in Nehemiah? I love that when the wall was built in just 52 days, no one got the praise. It wasn't about Ezra. It wasn't about Nehemiah. It wasn't about an individual person. It says in Nehemiah 6.16, they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. When I commit to my part, when you commit to your part, when we commit to build together and build for the generations, there will be a magnificent work that will take place where people will look at it and say, glory to God. God bless you, church. Let's build the kingdom together. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz